I would like for you to have your Bibles open today. I possibly would be turning to several other verses of Scripture to, to bring some uh, different thoughts about this message that God has laid upon my heart. Some couple months ago now, I just really zeroed in on it this morning. I've been meditating on it for a couple months. And it always helps the preacher if the people that are listening will help the preacher. And one of the ways you help the preacher is turning your Bibles whenever he asks you to. Not play on your phone. That's a discouragement to the preacher. Now, if it's an emergency, please use your phones. God knows our hearts. And there may be some of those situations here. But I'm saying, I know of situations among young people in my church that it's not an emergency. And so it discourages the preacher. The preacher is studying, he's prepared, and he wants everybody to be listening because he didn't just accidentally do that. He believes he's got a message from heaven to share. And now after yesterday, I know that God's ordered this. And I believe this verse 18, to me, after listening to his introduction and uh, some of the things before I had to get on the airplane yesterday, I believe it to be the central thing that will keep us from falling And I believe it to be the central thing that will help us all to finish well. You said, what is that? The word grow. It says it in verse number 18. He says, but, and we know, and I'm not going to spend time because Pastor Raines did this on yesterday, but the word but, that conjunction, would link together all of these truths that are mentioned and strictly in the context, it would link the whole book together. And if you went back and preached the whole book, we know how extended that would become to any of us Baptist preachers or any of you Sunday school teachers. Right now in our men's Bible class, there's 28 or 30 men in that men's Bible class. We're going verse by verse through 2 Peter and it's a resource of rich jewels. Every word, every verse is priceless. And he says, but linking all of the book to this truth, And certainly, in the context, if you go back to the beginning of the paragraph, uh, just a few verses before, certainly linking those verses together. And he says, but here's what I'm saying. But grow in grace. I'd mark that in my Bible because at the end of the message, I'd like to get into that a little bit. But grow in grace. The first thing he says, but here's what I want you to do. I want some growth In the area of grace. (laughs) I might have time to deal with that before the end of the message. But why would he tell, why would this old rugged fisherman at the end of his journey, as no doubt history would tell us, he's getting ready to be crucified upside down. This rough fisherman that denied the Lord, but later the Lord said, go tell my disciples. And when you tell them, tell Peter also. Some of the greatest truths that he ever heard from the lips of the lovely Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. Go tell Peter also. Many of us have had those occasions when we went awry and went away on the Lord and here comes the Lord. Go tell Todd also. Oh my, what wonderful words from the lips of, of the Lamb of God. And then he later would be filled with the Holy Ghost which is the difference maker in all of our lives. That's another topic. And thank God we were raised in the mountains where the emphasis was put on. And I can still remember Pappy Sexton meeting with us in that little uh, basement of the, the old Trinity Baptist Church. And Pappy Sexton, I think he mowed his yard in a three-piece suit. 
But he would, he would come in and talk to us. He said, boys, I want to talk to you for just a little while. And he would always emphasize, coming from that old time Nazarene holiness type background, he would always emphasize that the difference maker is holiness. And the difference maker is the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And he said, boys, you're never going to amount to anything until God fills you with the Holy Ghost. And we swapped that in some circles today with academia. We all appreciate being studious of the Word of God, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you, nothing can replace the touch of God. We're not information gatherers and information sharers. We're preachers of the Word of God. God anoints it and makes a difference in all of our lives. It is the anointing, 1 John 2 says, that teacheth. That's gospel truth. Oh my, we need that in our lives. But here he says in this passage of scripture, he says, but grow, he, he references the first thing, in grace. We're all growing in that. But here this rugged fisherman says, I just want you to know some things have changed in my life. He said, there's precious promises. Am I the only one intrigued by that? I know you preachers have preached on that. But here's this old rugged fisherman saying, thank God for the precious promises. He said, thank God for the precious blood. He's using a word precious. That's something like we would talk to a little child in a mother's arms. Isn't she precious? We would say that about a boy. We'd say he's handsome. But about a little girl, we'd say, isn't she precious? Wasn't that precious to hear those little girls and boys sing in church? Wasn't that precious? Here's this rugged fisherman at the end of his journey says, there's some things that are precious. And then he says, I want to go ahead and say under the pen of, through the pen of inspiration that we need to grow and we need to grow in grace. We'll talk more about that. And then he says this. This is an amazing truth. Does everybody see this? Look at what it says next. And he says, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My goodness, what's he saying about us? He's saying we need, we need some increase. That's what he's saying. There's no way you can deny it. He is saying to all of us that are here today, there needs to be some increasing. There needs to be some abounding. We need to be growing in some areas. We need to not, we need to be exceeding a fixed measure. And for some of us at times in our life, we think, well, I've, I've come to the place where I'm pretty stable and I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a position where it seems like I've, I've matured and there's been a maturing process, a perfection, a perfecting of my faith. And, and we're not saying it arrogantly, but we're saying it factually. Certainly we're not haughty about it. God doesn't even like. Actually, He hates. Actually, a pride look is an abomination to Him. So we can't even strut. Because God hates that. He hates it in your church. He hates it in my church. He hates it among singers. And he certainly hates it among preachers. And we, we shouldn't be haughty about anything because we are what we are by the grace of God. And so we come to a place of maturation and we think, well, I've been saved a long time. I've been a student of the Bible a long time. I've been seeking my God in prayer. And 
Uh, old Milton Taylor, when he preached that message at Center Pigeon Baptist Church, Lord, teach us to pray. I remember that just like it was yesterday. And that was the message that changed my life. I believe that was the message that God used to bring about the filling of the Holy Ghost in my life. I got alone and I started praying what he taught us to pray. And I began to seek God through the model prayer. I've been doing it for over 35 years every morning and this morning was no different. I'm telling you, there's something special about getting alone with God in the secret place. He says that in that secret place, when you enter into the secret place, he said enter into the secret place and when you get into there, he said there's a special blessing that comes because of the secret place. They're public blessings, but they only come as a result of private devotions. Woo! Woo! That's the difference maker. That's the difference maker. There's nobody keeping the records. There's nobody talking about it. There's nobody broadcasting it on social media. It's the time between you and the King of Glory. Woo! It's just like you're in the cleft of the rock. It's just like he hides you and he brings you out. And thank God sometimes somebody has to maybe put a veil on you. The glory of God, the touch of God is upon your life. That's nothing that we've done. Woo! That's all what he's done. He's the one that does that. That's my God. We reach this place and we think, well, this is amazing. We've reached this place of maturity and God is doing some amazing things in our life. And, and, and it's not that we're coasting. We would never think that because we know our God. And then you end up in a hospital room. And then something tragic happens in your life. And then God burdens you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 where we'll go in a few minutes. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You're not farther, far, far along as you think you are. I want you to learn. I want you to learn how to glory in infirmities. And you find out real quick God's not finished with you. What a mighty God we serve. What an amazing God that we serve. That he would love us like we're his only child. The same time God is working in my life, God is working in your life. The same time God is working in your life, what about all the people you don't know about on the backside of a jungle uh, that's, that's singing and dancing and having the time of their life? You'll never read about them, but thank God in the bandstands of glory one day we read in Revelation 4 and 5 and people from every kindred and every tongue and every tribe and every nation with one in unison soul, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power and majesty. Oh my, what a God we serve. Oh, what a time we're gonna have. Thank God there'll, there'll be no sin there. Thank God there'll be no flesh there. Thank God there'll be no Satan there. You think we're free to worship yesterday. Woo! We're gonna be free at a whole new level to worship. Thank God. There'll be no time there. There'll be no Apple Watches there. Uh, there'll be no worrying about offending anybody there. We'll be before the throne of God crying worthy is the lamb that was slain. Whew. What a mighty God we serve. Isn't it interesting that he says, but grow. But grow. He said, I'm all set. Well, I don't want to be an ugly preacher today, but you're not. 
God said to grow. All the way till we see him face to face. He even says in Romans chapter number 8 that he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. It's all been predetermined. It's God's predetermined plan that when we're saved, we're supposed to be more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. And you can listen to some people talk in your churches and you can find out, I don't know that they've made it. You come to Maine, you'll really find out. They swear right in church. You said, really? Yes, some of yours do too. They just hide it from you. <laughs> you said, does that bother you? Not a whole lot. You said, it doesn't? No, because God's doing a work in their heart. The other day when I was discipling one of them, he said, preacher, you'd be so glad for me. He said, normally I would have, I would have just absolutely pilfered that guy in the ground and beat the soup out of him. But he said, I just walked away. He said, I, I believe I'm growing. I said, you probably are, but he deserved it. <laughs> I was thinking he should have done it anyway. After he told me the story. I think he might have been farther along than I was. And then the other day we were working. I said, why did you say that? We were working at the church on a project. He's swearing. I said, why did you do that? He said, do what? I said, well, there's no reason to have to swear while you're working, especially with the preacher and at the church. He said, well, I'm doing better, preacher. I used to swear all the time. I said, all right then, let's just carry on. I don't know what to say. Doing better. Doing better. Hey, don't, don't fool anybody. Some of us think that people ought to get saved and sanctified and separated all in three minutes. From the time they leave the altar to the time they go back. And as soon as they come, we preach, try to preach the devil out of them and wonder why they don't stay in our churches. They might need a little bit of the love of God. The same thing you got when you got saved. They might just need somebody to teach them the truth about the Bible. You said, not me. I hit it all the first time. There's other sermons between hit it all. There's 66 books filled with meat from every angle you look at it. I just finished reading the book of Leviticus. You think things are well, read the book of Leviticus. God's mad at everybody. Everything's wrong. Thank God I finally got the numbers and got to read the genealogies. That was a great uptick. Finally made it to the genealogies. I didn't know how to pronounce the name, but it was better than Leviticus. Good night in the morning. One chapter, he was all over nakedness. The next chapter, he's all over sodomy. I said, dear Lord, can I get out of this book? You said, what'd you do? I was growing. I was growing. One of my new converts came to me and I said, you need to go over and read the end of Leviticus. God deals with nakedness. You just read it. Let God speak to you. He'll speak to you about it. He'll, t he'll tell you what you ought to do. God has a lot of things to say about nakedness. And he said, really? I said, yeah, he does. Just go read it. It'd be a great blessing. He only mentions a word about 15 or 20 times in one chapter. I think that's what he's talking about. That's Bible truth. Isn't it interesting here that he says, but grow. So he wants us to exceed a fixed number. He doesn't want us just to come to this place. And I'm going to ask you a personal question. I'm just trying to introduce this even though it's taken 20 or 25 minutes, which is pretty typical. But as we get into this, and uh, 
I'm just trying to, to get us to realize today, and, and of course, cert, certainly that's the Spirit of God's job. Are we, at a, are we stuck? Because if we're stuck in a place, this is a word we need to hear. And let me help you with something. If you're stuck and you've been stuck in a place for a while, His message is very pertinent. Because if you're stuck, you're actually going backwards. We've got to be going forward and more like Christ all the way till we see Him face to face. And you say, what ways do I need to grow in? Well, I'm growing right now. I'm memorizing what I mentioned a moment ago in glory and in my infirmities. I am not there. I am not to the place where I'm excited about dying a month ago. I'm not to the place where I'm excited about I have ITP and at any moment my, my immune system could trigger itself and it could happen right now while I'm preaching. It's going to be that way the rest of my life. I'll have to live with that in my mind. I'm not excited about it, but I'm learning and God is teaching me. And as He is teaching me, He is teaching me to glory in my infirmities. He said, here's what's going to happen when you glory in your infirmities. There's going to be power that you've never experienced before. It's going to rest upon you. There's going to be grace that you've never seen before. He said, you just glory in your infirmities. What's He going to challenge you with today? Now I want to leave this portion of Scripture for just a few moments and uh, look at some other Scriptures that I believe will be a great help to us. And you maybe just write these down because time is getting away from us. When you think about growth and you think about the excitement of growth, remember when you were a kid? How exciting it was to grow? At least uh, one of you think it was exciting. That's fine. It's no problem. I'm used to it. I, I preach in Maine, so it's not a problem. You don't have to say nothing the rest of the sermon. It's not going to change a bit with me. I'm just going to preach right through it. I might even shout and jump. It doesn't matter. And so, when you think about growing up as a child, even though I'm 54, I still remember it vividly. I still remember how exciting it was to grow. I remember finally we got a little mini bike and dad got us a little go-kart and dad was a body man and we never had a whole lot of money, but he tried to do his best. And of course, my dad is here today with my sister and a lot of people here from our home church, and I'm grateful for that. It's good to see Dr. Kilby here, also from Bethel Baptist, and others that are here. I'm grateful for it. But I just remember as a child, dad would, he would remember that go-kart, and I, and I could tie a string on the, did you ever tie a string on the governor? Wasn't that just like super awesome? You tie a string on that governor, and you'd be racing, and you'd have the string hid. And you'd be going down the road with your friend and you'd pull that string. And the motor was already wound out. But he went, yeah. At that time, we didn't know what pistons were. We didn't know what the, all of the, the rings and the connecting rods. You were a kid. Just, you know, crank it up. You got to put oil in it. Oh, excuse me, I'm in the South. Got to put oil in it. <laughs> I have to pronounce my words in New England. <laughs> you got to put oil. That hurts. You put oil in it. And we didn't think about that as a kid, but I'm going to tell you, it was cool. He had a little mini bike, had a little go-kart. My friend had a dirt bike up in Lake Logan, and he was rich. And so he had dirt bikes, and we would take his dirt bikes everywhere. And then the day come, I got my license. I mean, how cool is that? We were going down the road, and the lady said, turn right there. So I turned. She said, you failed. <laughs> Boy, that was humiliating. I said, I did what you said. Well, you're supposed to do a right-hand road turn. I said, well, you told me to turn. Zip it. Don't argue with me. You failed. Come back tomorrow. I came back tomorrow. got my license. Dad was a painting body man. We fixed up a little truck. 
We always had something we'd fix up trading all the time, wheeling and dealing, trying to make money, not really doing real good at it, but just having the time of our life. Come on, does anybody remember growing up as a kid? It was kind of fun, was it not? Well, we need to take that same excitement and grow spiritually. It's kind, it's kind of cool. It's, it's kind of amazing that the God of heaven would say, Brother Bell, we're going to get, put you in a new area of growth class. He said, I don't want any part of that. Well, do you want to do what the scripture says or not? He said, but grow. But grow. That's the message today. But grow. It's an exciting time. I mean, we're, I've been in church planning my whole entire ministry in Maine. We just finished up our ninth church. You know, when we go to start churches, there's nobody comes. So you said, well, what are we going to do? There's, there's nobody there. Well, we're going to do what God says. We're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, well, I'm just going to sit in my study and let God bring them in. Go, go for it. Have a good time doing that. But I'm going to obey the great command. And the great command said, go, preach, teach, baptize. That's what he said to do. Come on, folks. Is that not what he said to do? And we've, we're past COVID now long enough now. We ought to have some type of visitation program in our church where we're touching people's lives. Our church is going back Sunday night. This Sunday night's the first Sunday night that we're taking track counts. On how many tracks we gave out that week. You know why? Because every track that goes out has the power of the gospel in it. And it might be that somebody might get saved and they'll walk in and say, I found this track. And more than that, the God of this track found me. <laughs> Woo! That might even get somebody in New England happy. I don't know if it gets you happy, but it might get somebody in New England happy. My boy told me last night he started a youth choir. They had 25 out evangelizing yesterday afternoon at 3 o'clock. 25 young people. They said we touched 85 doors yesterday. 85 doors with gospel literature and speaking, speaking to them about the glorious gospel of Christ. Last night the youth choir sang. He sent me a message. He said, Dad, when the youth choir sings, saying there was hands going up all over the auditorium. And I thought, I'm free to worship Free to lift up my hands unto the Lord. Woo! In Maine, there was hands that were going up. I've been in places in the South and hands didn't go up. Just old school. I got a word for you, but grow. We got to grow. We got to grow beyond that. We got to grow beyond that. If we sit stagnant and sit stale, we got to go beyond that. We're church planters. We're building Sunday schools. We're trying to break all records in our Sunday schools. You said, I'm not. I'm trying to see how few we can have in Sunday school. Well, I think the word for you is but grow. We need to grow. In Sunday school, we teach the Bible. When you teach somebody the Bible, God speaks to them. And when you teach them the Bible and God speaks to them, they begin to grow. And then they become believers in your church that are solid, solid families, solid tithing members. I love the tithe. Don't you love the tithe? In New England, people are scared of the tithe, so I call it the tithy. And it goes over real well. They don't even know what's going on. I said, just be faithful in the tithy. And uh, they don't even know what's going on. It just goes. <laughs> They're laughing at it. Then they go, hey, man, I think he's talking about the tithe. Wait a minute. I think he's pulling one over on us. <laughs> we need to grow in our giving. We need to grow in our going. We need to grow in our Sunday schools. We need to grow in our choirs. Our choir has 35 or 40 people in it. We're singing, thank God, to the glory of God. The old time hymns, having a time of our life. What's that song we sung Sunday night, Phil? I forget. Tell me a time. We sang that song. My wife comes out, sings out front. Tell me a time. Oh, dear Lord. 
We got to singing and you thought we was in an auction on Sunday night. In New England. Hands are, tell me a time that he's not been faithful. Tell me a morning his mercies were new. Woo! Hallelujah! My God is a God that is an old time God. Woo! <laughs> need to grow in our singing. Need to grow in our shouting. We need to grow in our involvement. We need to grow in our note taking. We need to grow in our through the Bible reading. We need to grow in our memorization. God says grow. He said, Brother Bell's back. He's scathing us. No, I'm preaching the Bible. He says, but grow. So think about this. There's never enough time. So, so I wrote these things down just because of introductory thoughts. If there's going to be growth, there has to be seed. What does Luke 8, 8, 11 say? Now the parable is this. Remember the interpretation of the parable? In Luke's gospel, he says, and, and, and in Luke's gospel, he gets very plain. Now the parable is this. Now the seed is the word of God. If there's going to be growth, we've got to have seed. And so that means we're going to have the Word. So that means that there has to be some kind of detailed plan in our life daily to get in the Word. Now what is that for you? Don't answer out loud. What is it for you? I'm amazed at how many people in, in our churches that stake their whole eternity on a book that they've never read through. Right. Come on, preacher. Right there. Come on, right there. Amen. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? I mean, you stand and boldly proclaim, oh, everything, bless God, the Word of God is my final rule for faith and practice. You ever read it through? Well, come think about it. No. Well, then how do you know it's your final rule for faith and practice? Have you read the book of Leviticus? Maybe you read through that. You may change your tune on that a little bit. Yeah. I read it through at least once a year or more, and I'm just going to tell you, all of it is the Word of God. And, and, and I, if it does anything for you or, or for me, what it does for me is it makes me realize how little I am and how big He is. Every year. The seed is the Word. I'm not talking about preparing to preach. I know years ago this all changed. I just read and study and try to preach. I'm preaching through series is usually verse by verse through the Bible because God said to preach the Word. So I believe it works just to preach the Word. I don't, I, don't, I don't apologize for that. And I'm not weird on that. I'm just simply saying, uh, on Sunday morning, I'm preaching through 1 Timothy right now, and I just preached five or six messages on verse number five where it says, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. I preached three messages on the end of the commandment. This is what it's all about. It's charity out of a pure heart. And I preached on the importance of charity in the life of the believer and went over to 1 John chapter number 4 and 5 and that whole book of 1 John, John the Beloved, and preached on the importance of the character trait in the life of the believer. If you say that you love God and you hate your brother, the love of God is not in you and you're not even born of God. You're talking about splitting some Baptist churches. That's the reason why we talk about, oh boy, Brother Bell's compromising. No, Brother Bell's not compromising. Brother Bell's been reading the Bible. You don't have the love of God in your heart toward fellow believers. You've not been born of God. 
And furthermore, we got people in our culture in New England that have never told their children they love them. And they use the culture of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm from Quebec. I'm French. And French, you know what? You just guess. You just, you, just, you just automatically know that if I'm your parents, I love you. No, you don't automatically know that. It's good to hear those words tickle, tickle the hairs in your inner ear. That your mom and your dad loves you. But I'm in New England where they don't say it. Aren't you grateful today that you got a God in heaven that through the pages of his holy word, every single, whoop, every single one of them is stamped with the love of God. And you look at this, you look at Calvary, whoo, what love. You look at the resurrection, whoo, what love. You look at the sending of the Holy Ghost, whoo, what love. You look at answered prayers, what love. You look at him sustaining us and supplying for us, what love. The end of the commandment is charity out of pure heart. And then I preach two messages on the next phrase. And of a good conscience. Don't talk about a good conscience. <laughs> Paul, not Paul, but in that passage in the book of Acts, said through the pit of inspiration that he did mention it. It was him that mentioned it. Luke, the, the, the scribe, says that he exercised himself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Now, beloved, that's revival. Yes, And then he says, third in that text, and at the end of the commandment, it's charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. Whoop! We need more of that. Genuine faith. That came across yesterday in the broadcasting. Thank God for the ministry here. That's genuine. You can smell a fake 500 miles away. God says that. But the seed is the word. So when you read the word and you study the word, there's the seed. Look what it says here in the, the book that we're in. I want you to look with me in the, uh, over here in the first, first letter. If you were in England, you would say 1 Peter. 1 Peter and 2 Peter. But in 1 Peter chapter number 2, he says in verse number 2, if you're there, say I'm there. <laughs> this is great. He says as newborn babes. Isn't that wonderful as newborn babes? I love that. Don't you love the practicality of the word of God? He says newborn babes. Look at our sister holding one back there and listening to me preaching. Some of you are holding them in here until they started crying. Uh, but these newborn babes, some of you have newborn babes. And as soon as you think about a newborn babe, you, your mind just goes racing. It's amazing when you think about a newborn babe. But then he says, here's what I say. Newborn babes, notice, uh, uh, notice the grammar. As newborn babes... Desire the sincere miracle of the word that you may, what? Grow thereby. When's the last time we, when's the last time we wanted some of the milk? Oh, so, oh, I've matured. Be careful about maturing to the meat. He may take your platelets. And you may find out you're not farther along than you think you are. We all, so many areas of growth. And I hear this preach all the time. The word of God says his newborn babes then he said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I thank God for the milk, meat of the word, but I certainly God, thank God for the milk of the word. I thank God for all of it. Amen. Now think about this. There's the seed. And then number two, there's the spirit of God. The growth continues with the spirit of God. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, please. Quickly, I want you to see this. 
And then I'll share a few more things and we'll be finished. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, he says in verse number 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the, say that with me class, which the Holy Ghost teacheth. There's growing here. There's growing here because the Holy Ghost is teaching. That which the Holy Ghost teaching, and what is the Holy Ghost teaching comparing what? Spiritual with spiritual. And we all believe that the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Hence we compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And they complement one another. You said, what does this do, preacher? Well, the Spirit of God in our life, because it says very clearly here, I know you all see it, and you probably already have it marked in your Bible, but it says very, very clearly, the Holy Ghost is teaching. So the seed is the Word. We get into the Word, and then as we get into the Word, uh, how many of you ever had one of those moments where it was you and the Lord, you and the Lord and the Holy Ghost amplified something in your study time? Come on, if, if, you've, not, if you've not had that, I'm going to say very kindly, I, I do pity you a little bit. Because there's something special about being alone with God. And every morning, every morning, I start in Proverbs is where I start every morning. For 35 years, I've asked God for the three triplets of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I've done it for 35 years every day. I don't plan to stop till I see Jesus face to face. Because after all those years of asking, I still find out I do stupid things. After 35 years of asking God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, I get in my car and I say, well, that was stupid. Just like the other day whenever somebody pulled in front of me and I, well, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Well, that was stupid. You ain't got no more learning than that, Brother Bell? That was stupid. What'd you do that for? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And, and you're, you're in the book of Proverbs and, and every day you, you read in that great book of the Bible and you've been reading it for 35 years. You practically have the whole entire book memorized and every day God gives you a nugget right in the beginning. Right in the beginning, God gives you a nugget. Yes, sir. And, he, and He speaks to your heart. <clears throat> and when He does, you thank Him for that. Amen. And I want to encourage you to have this time with the Lord. The seed is the Word. The Spirit of God continues the growth by speaking to us from the Word of God. And then we apply that to our life. Now the message today, if you forgot it, it's on but grow. So we're growing. You said... Do I, do I put it on social media, everything I'm doing? No, you don't tell nobody. There's no reason to tell anybody. Now, you can in a private matter if you want to, or you can if you want to challenge somebody. I, I guess that would be okay. But other than that, this is personal. God is doing a work in our life. He's growing us in our life. He's, he's, hey, can I tell you this? I'm not what I used to be. And I'm not what, what I'm going to be. But He is changing me every day more and more I'm becoming more and more like Christ you said are you just like him no I'm not but I'm on the journey amen you said you ever have some downcast times yes sir you ever have some times where you want to quit innumerable would be embarrassing if I told you you ever had some struggles in Maine as you plow with the bulldozer of the gospel trying to start churches in the areas where the gospel's not been for hundreds of years yes sir yes ma'am but my God is a good God and I don't have any complaints about him and there's no time for sad stories my God is a God who does all things well so think about this 
but grow. There's the seed. There's the Spirit of God. And here's a word that's a, becoming a, an unusual word in our movement. Sanctification. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, oh, I knew you were going to go there. Well, change your attitude. That's a bad attitude. If I told you to turn in the Bible, we ought to thank God for the Bible. If you got that attitude, I wouldn't even come to the altar. I'd go to my car and go out in the woods and get along with God. I wouldn't make it public. I'd just go private. I would. I'd just go somewhere quiet and just get along. And go, Lord, my heart's grown so cold, I don't even want to hear a Bible truth. Sanctification is becoming a thing of the past, but the Bible still teaches positional and progressive. You cannot argue with that. Now, let's hang off the chandeliers about the positional. Thank God when I got saved. Whoop! One man said, 10 things happened the moment I got saved. And you read all 10 of them and you want to run the aisles. And maybe, maybe get the wheelchair out and run it around when that guy's here. <laughs> Brother Stanley said yesterday, people think we're crazy. Five minutes later, he's running around church with, with a wheelchair. I said, they don't doubt it now. If there had been four handles on that, I'd have been right behind him. Good night in the morning. I'm free to worship. Woo! <laughs> oh, hallelujah. People get nervous about sanctification. The other guy said, I got something better than you. A hundred things happened. Them old Puritan writers. A hundred things happened the moment you got saved. And it's what a wonderful study to just think about the moment I got saved. The moment I got saved. I'm going to tell you what happened the moment I got saved. He took my unrighteousness and gave me his. William Graham Scroggie would say Romans 6, 7, and 8 is probably is the masterpiece of the Bible. That was his opinion. But I'm just simply saying, if you get in Romans 6, 7, and 8, you can't help but to understand that, thank God, I was filled with unrighteousness. I was a sinner. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. All my righteousness was as filthy rags. He took my unrighteousness. He gave me his righteousness. He imputed to me his righteousness. When he sees me, he sees me through the blood of the Lamb. Thank God. The devil comes and accuses. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. The devil says, you don't understand. Brother Bell's been over here and the Son of God, I don't know what you're talking about. Thank God. I'm covered in the rose red royal blood from Calvary. That's positional. We rejoice in that. Don't discount progressive or practical. Don't discount it. The modern church is discounting that. Hence the reason why we're having a few struggles in some areas. We think sometimes on the platform that it's a show that needs to be taking place down on the main street of Asheville. No, we're to be holy in our deportments. That's right. And we're to care, that's just what it is. Now, if you want to do it from a legalistic standpoint, it's going to be bondage. But if you want to do it from the standpoint of the constraining love of God, look what He did for me. I'll do whatever He says. I don't have time. This is crazy. It's 10 after 11. Look what he says here. He says, I've, I've told you about how you ought to walk. Verse number one of 1 Thessalonians 4. Why? 
So you would do what? So you would abound. That's more and more. And in the context, he says in verse number three, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So the context is talking about uh, abounding. It's talking about growing. It's talking about becoming more like Christ. It's amazing to me that he'd write to a local assembly and tell them to abstain from fornication. (sighs) I just don't think people are listening no more. But the messages still grow. There's a lot of fornication going on in our churches. It's called pornography. And our pews are filled with it. That's the reason why the touch of God is not on people's lives. We've got to be careful of all that. We've got to set up parameters for all that. And you parents that are giving your kids full authority to do whatever they want to because, because of how God created us, He created boys to like girls and girls to like boys. And sooner or later, that's going to come out that they're going to be intrigued by all of that. Are y'all still listening? And you've got to set parameters on that. That's the reason why we still believe in that we ought to teach our kids about the birds and the bees. One of the ways to teach your kids about the birds and the bees is just get a little farm and you'll find out real quick. There'll be some unusual things happen on that farm. I remember on ours, they said, what's that? I said, we'll talk about that later. What are they doing out there in the pasture? We'll talk about that later. I don't know that it's quite time to talk about that. Let's close the drapes, honey. I said, the farm animals are acting a fool. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's, it's all good. But they go to schools and they talk about it in health class. And they show them little pornographic books. And our public education system, if you're in a public education system, you do what God tells you to. But you better be a researcher at the PTA of what's going on. They may be teaching some of those weird old books to them. Are you all right? Everybody all right? Why do you tell them to abstain from fornication? Why do you tell them? To? Because they were guilty. So this happens. You say, why does it happen? Because when he gets saved, he gives us his righteousness, but we still got the old man. Shoo, thank God the day that thing's going to be gone. Paul said, I'm dragging this thing around with me everywhere I go. He says in Romans chapter number seven, who's going to deliver me? Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord. He gave us the answer. So we're out of time. I'm just now getting to the message. Just some introduction material. We are out of time. But just write the notes down. Look what it says. He says in the text now. We're back to the text. Please don't characterize me as a preacher who took a text and departed from it. Come on. Stop the foolishness. We're back at the text now after going on a little survey through other areas. He says, but grow what? In grace. You know what Colossians 3.16 says we're to do? We're supposed to sing with grace. (laughs) I want you to see that. Just for being kind of dull there, I want you to see it. You're going to turn there. I wasn't going to have you turn there, but that's fine. You'll be dull. We're going to turn there and let you see it with with your own eyes. What's New England done to you, preacher? Made me a smart aleck. Colossians chapter number three, please. You're always fighting in New England. You say something, they go. You go, oh, you think that? Fine, and you're just getting this spirit. I've noticed that some of you are kind of getting it down here, actually. A little bit of sarcasm. I heard that word several times yesterday. Anyway, Colossians chapter three and verse number 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why would he say let it? Isn't that Bible, in this good, just simple Bible teaching? Because sometimes it's not dwelling in us richly. 
So he said, hey, just go ahead and call recess and spend some time and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And when it does, here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to teach one another. I want you to admonish one another. And here's, here's what I want you to admonish him. I want you to admonish him. And... Is that what he said? Is that what he said to admonish him in? He said admonish him in Psalms. Now, wait a minute. Do we even sing the Psalms? Come on. I'm telling the truth. Do we even sing the Psalms? Do we sing Psalms 25? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Listen to this plea from the psalmist. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Wow. He said, talk to people in Psalms. He said, talk to people and tell them and teach them and admonish them in hymns. I'm certain Amazing Grace wasn't wrote then and I'm certain that nothing but the blood was wrote, wrote then but I'm certain there were hymns that were wrote then because he said to admonish them in hymns and we have seven or 800 in our books and we have the church hymnal we have other hymnals we have the Baptist hymnal and we have another hymnal in our church we have all these different people people come to Maine they go, oh this is kind of high church well there's nothing wrong with saying come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Woo! Streams of mercy. Just, just, just walk around. Just walk, just walk around and teach them. Admonish people. And he said, don't forget this. He said, don't forget this. He said, when you sing, I want you to make sure that you got grace. Isn't it interesting to me when you study the Bible that he didn't say grow in judgment? He didn't say that. You can, you can do all you want to and you can be a condescending type man and don't say like me, I'm writing the book today. Uh, there's nothing wrong with strong preaching. There's nothing wrong with just preaching the book. That's where the conviction's at anyway. I'm just simply saying to you, hey, uh, this is, he didn't say grow in judgment. And there's a spirit of judgment that is repulsive. He said to grow in grace. And here he says, when you sing, make sure that you got grace. Did you notice in the next chapter, chapter four, verse number six, this will help you. Let your speech be always with grace. Isn't that amazing? But now we've entered into a day where we have people called keyboard cowards. <clears throat> and they hide behind a keyboard. I had someone do that not too long ago to me and ravaged me on a text message. An evangelist <clears throat> and a pastor in our area ravaged me on a text message. And I simply said to the individual, I said, I'll call you in just a few minutes. I have no reason to even talk to you now or ever again. And that was kind of hurtful. But you said, did you get over it? Yeah, I'm over it. It didn't, it didn't bother me. I, what I said was true, and I don't, I don't mind saying it. But I'm, I, I'm just telling you, you need to be careful of being a, a keyboard coward. If you can't say what you're going to say to the individual face-to-face, -face, don't say it in an email, a text, or a social media post. I'm saying. Let me help you with something. It's a very simple truth. It's unwise. It brings stuff up that doesn't need brought up. What we ought to do is we ought to, we ought to season what we say with grace. I mean, what, a, what an unbelievable thing to be able to come up to a preacher after he preaches and said, 
God used you today to speak to my heart. And I want to say thank you for that. In, in New England, I can't fill up two hands of people that said anything positive about my preaching. They don't compliment you in New England. I come down south and you preach at a church with 100, 200 people and all 200 almost come up and say something. It's a different culture. But I can tell you, whenever somebody does say something, it means a lot. Or you could go up to your preacher after the service and say, you know what, you just did a double negative while you were preaching. And I would say to them, what's a double negative? And Cherith, my English professor in our school, says, Dad, all of your sermons are filled with double negatives. I said, but doesn't it make them more impactful? She said, not from an English standpoint, but from a Holy Ghost standpoint, it's okay. And I said, don't tell me what a double negative is. I don't want to know what a double negative is. I just want to keep preaching. I certainly don't want to distract from the message, but I certainly understand that there's other things that we could critique other than my double negatives. Now just go on about your way, please. Thank you very much. You just say it with grace. You know what I found out through the years, Brother Lamar Whittemore, man that I love and respect, I found out through the years that one of the greatest things that I can do with somebody and this is my father-in-law and mother-in-law right here. My dad, my sister, people from our church, deacons, pastor. One of the greatest things I could do with somebody, somebody has just come up and just put my hand yeah. on their shoulder. Yeah. Yesterday, we sit down here. And I put my arm around her and I said, Lamar, I love you. And I said, I thank God for you. He's been a faithful man of God in an area similar to mine. And I've preached there at his church, I, and many of you have gone. I'm going to tell you, when you leave the mountains, and we can say what you want to about the mountains, but I can tell you this, there's an anointing that is here that is not in other places. And when you go to other places, and Brother Lockyer it knows what I'm talking about. You go into where there's a spiritist type worship, and their worship, ancestral worship or whatever, there is a, there is a thickness that you can't describe. I'll tell you what it is. It's called the prince and the power of the air. It's, it's called the God of this world. And you know how long it's taken? You know how long it's taken? You're not going to believe. We were up at the caucus in Maine. Uh, when, when, uh, it was on Tuesday. I'm getting mixed up with time. But on Tuesday, we were up at the caucus uh, in Maine. And my wife has been asked, and our family has been asked, that she would run for seat 142, which is a seat in the Congress in our state. And I didn't even know what God was doing in her heart. She came out of her prayer closet one day last week and she says, Todd, you're not going to believe this. But she said, God is calling me to run for that seat. I believe that God wants us to turn the tide in our city. And I said, what? And uh, the Republican Party had reached out to us and the powers that be, one of our senators, Matt Harrington, reached out to me. I was just in Augusta praying in, in, in the caucus there. We have free liberty to pray to read scripture. I was up there on Tuesday and uh, get this, Billy Bob Falkingham. How do you like a name like that? A lobsterman from Winter Harbor, Maine is the minority leader. We walked into the caucus in a room filled with all of the politicians on the minority side of the Congress in our state. When I walked in, Billy Bob reached out and grabbed my wife and he's a big guy and hugged her like this 
And he said, praise God, praise God, praise God. And he just wrote me a text. He said, the revival fires are burning in our state. And they erupted in cheers. And we're believing that God is going to lead us on to victory. And we're going to turn the tide. And the first bill that Miss Amy is going to legislate is school choice. So that we can have choices for our kids to go to school and take that demonic money that they're stealing from us and put it in the gospel ministry. We're well on our way. She turns her signatures in today. We're well on our way now. Oh, you ain't gonna believe what God's doing. If I told you what God was doing, I've been waiting 28 years. (laughs) I've been waiting. I've spent my whole entire life to see God plant churches all over that state and to see God turn the tide in the churches and to now see God turn the tide in the political offices. Let me tell you, my God is not dead. He is alive and he is alive forevermore. When's the last time you walked into the state capitol? He said, come pray. Come pray. Come share scripture. You said, I'm not going to get involved in all that. Well, don't read the Bible. You read the Bible in the Old Testament, some of them are really involved. I mean uncomfortable involved. Right? Like uncomfortable enough that God might call on me before the whole Congress and the Senate one day to come down with a word of judgment. And it's wrote on my paper. If this is your time to shine, it may be your last one. It says it right on the bottom. You can wax eloquent all you want to, but you'll never be invited back. I'm just simply saying, God is a God that is working. He's working. He's working on all fronts. And how exciting is this? We are to sing with grace. We are to speak with grace. We are to serve with grace. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, my grace is sufficient. Isn't that wonderful? I'm sorry, I just now get into the message. <laughs> I turned the page. You said, so let me just tell you this illustration. I, then, then, yeah, it's, it's all over. It's all over. He says next, not only to grow in grace, but he says what? To grow in what? The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wrote in my notes, he's the main character. He's the main character. It's interesting to me, and I'll have to get over here before I forget. I was preaching other week at our church and there was this Brother Phil you remember when the Junkin sang at our church that beautiful song and little Bitsy we were singing they were singing that song the Victorious Valley Girls Home used to sing it Amazing Love How Can It Be That God Would Give His Life For Me and it goes on to save uh, to pay my sin debt. Remember that song? To pay my sin debt and let me go free. Well, little Bitsy come up after the service. They did it in an unbelievable way. Just hit it out of the park. And little Bitsy (laughs) comes up to me after service. I give gummy bears to all the kids after service. Wind them up before they go home. And they come up, I give them three gummy bears. Every service, all the kids in our church, one for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that's why I tell them. They say, I want four. I said, nope, there's only three in the Godhead. One for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I give them. Now, I do that because there was a man in my church that died and went to heaven, and he was the candy man, and, and I, I, I just by default kind of took over it. And it's okay because all the kids come up and want to talk, and Bitsy come up, and I said, Bitsy, wow, to pay my sin debt and let me go free. You hit out of the park. She said, 
I was the main character in the song. And I said, Bitsy, no, you weren't. Jesus is the main character. What does Ephesians 3 say in verse number 29? Unto him. Unto who? Unto him be glory. The message this morning, but grow. Our, our invitations is coming, getting ready. But grow. But grow. Are you stuck? But grow. Need to advance a little bit in some areas? But grow. But grow. You know this is a passion of mine. You hear it on the radio if you listen to it every day. <clears throat> I said, is your Sunday school stuck? Well, let's grow it. Is your church stuck? Well, let's grow it. Let's, put, let's create a plan to grow it. I'm not talking about just numerically. I'm talking about depth. You know, when you're preaching to people act like they don't even care, they're stuck. They ought to be on the edge of their seat listening to Bible truth. I don't care if the preacher's preaching a hundred times. It's all good. Some of you go to Chick-fil-A like eight times a day. You ought to not be alarmed at a Bible passage that's preached over and over again. Brother Rudy says that every, every night when he comes, he says, I've preached 130 times, 150 times. I don't know. I can't say anything else. I've made up some things to say. He could preach the same exact messages over and over again. Not, not even say one thing about them. I don't care if the outline was the same. The message was the same. The book never changes. And it's all good. And none of us should set up our preachers for failures. We should say, that's right. Don't even worry about saying anything. Preach it again. Amen. But if we're stuck, we get a little critical. Well, I've heard this before. Well, guess what, Buster Brown? It's time to hear it again. It might be because you didn't listen the first time. Right? Are you stuck? But grow. That's the message. But grow. 